This is the Wild Honey Collective, and I'm your host, Amelia. Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming Steph Nash to the conversation to speak about reproductive rights, justice, and freedom in this time of extreme restriction and bodily control in our country and in many parts of the world. Hey, Steph, welcome to the Wild Honey Collective, and thank you so very much for making time to be with us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Hello, everyone. I am happy to be in the space. We're thrilled. Yeah. To get us started, can you tell us a bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm Steph Nash, more affectionately known as Steph Nash Superstar, or just Superstar. (laughs) I am the newest addition to Blue Ridge Abortion Fund. I am the co-executive director of movement building and engagement um, at the fund. And so um, I'm excited. This I am, what's today, the 27th? So I am like four months in almost. Um, And prior to coming to BRAF, I was the statewide advocacy director at Whole Women's Health Alliance, which is an independent abortion provider. Um, and so that's who I am, or a piece of who I am as, as, as far as my work. Um, but I am a mom uh, of two 16-year-old boys. I am a black woman. Um, I am a Nike shoe lover. I've never had Yeezys, uh, as Kanye West is <laughs> doing, doing Kanye right now. I'm a lover of grapes. I'm just a a, a lover of life in general. And so, again, I'm very happy to be here with you all. Did you say grapes? I just wanted to make sure I got that. Yes, grapes. Um, Preferably purple grapes. Seeds Um, or no seeds? Well, so I'm a roll with seeds, but I actually haven't had a grape with seeds in years. And so uh, my grandma seems to think uh, that is part of the Antichrist and <laughs> we're all being poisoned because there are no seeds in watermelons, no seeds in grapes, no seeds in anything that should have seeds except for lemons. It's a it's an incomplete picture of the fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it does make eating it a little bit more expedient. That's what yeah, we're all about here in yeah, the sure. great United States, isn't it? <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for that introduction. I would love to know how you got into reproductive freedom, reproductive justice work after quite a number of years and how it shaped who you are and how you view the state of the world right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, my background is in um, adolescent comprehensive sexual education. So um, that's how I my career path started. Um, a lot of youth programming, nonprofit organization, YMCA type stuff, after school programs, summer programs with youth. That's one thing that I knew that I wanted to do um, as I was growing, that I wanted to work with young people. Um, and so got to college and was like, what does that, what do I want that to look like though? And so um, went, my undergrad is in social work and I was like, oh, I can literally do anything um, with that. And so um, ended up 
teaching and from there, like recognizing that. And I did undergrad in Savannah, Georgia. And so um, at, at, at that time, like remembering my own um, sexual health teachings or the lack thereof, um, accompanied by the fact that it wasn't mandatory in the state that I was in at that time, but there were programs that were implementing um, abstinence-based um, curriculums at that time kind of um, forwarded me that path. And it became like super exciting for me because everybody's scared to talk about sex, uh, especially with young people. And me being the rebel that I am, I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and so um, started um, and, and stayed in that arena for uh, about seven or eight years while I was teaching sex ed and then was training trainers to do different curriculums and writing curriculums around sexual education, um, STD prevention and intervention and awareness and those things. And one thing that always came up in, in that curriculum teachings or, you know, what, as I was dealing with middle and high school young people was like abortion. And it was, you know, caused me to think and remember like, oh, I actually never learned about abortion, <laughs> like mm -hmm. in school. And so, um, so parking, put that in the parking lot, got to um, a space where I was faced with making the decision to um, terminate a pregnancy that I actually did not want to uh, carry to term. Um, and so I, I guess I took you around the long way to answer this question, but anyways, um, and so my very first experience, and I've had two abortions, my very first experience um, with that is really what led me into this space. It was the amazing care that I received from um, the clinic um, who uh, was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who is now closed down due to all of the things. Mm -hmm. um, but that was affiliated service medical services in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'll never forget September 2015. Um, and, and I had no idea what to expect. And when I got there, I took my sister and she was spazzing out like she was pregnant and it was her decision. And I just remember getting there and there was like dozens of protesters outside and signs and baby strollers and fake blood and all of that. And I was just, I remember thinking to myself, like, y'all don't have nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. And um, and got in there and they took such good care of me, answered all of my questions, made me feel like safe like walked me through my anxiety and my ups and my downs. And um, and I sat in on, on my second day um, where I had my actual procedure in clinic and I sat in the waiting room and I remember just thinking like, who is on the inside advocating for um, people like the people that are quote unquote advocating on the outside. And so it caused me to do some digging because again, I had never learned this. I had never been in a clinic until I needed to be in a clinic. Um, and, and, and that's what really lit my fire to begin to do my own um, internal work um, as I wanted that to be a, a, a manifestation of, of, of my career path. And so um, that's how I got into the space. 
um, started doing some volunteering some the other organizations that um, connected the intersections of abortion, like uh, Wisconsin Coalition Against Sexual Assault at that time. So did a lot of work with them with a lot of um, domestic abuse survivors and, and, and their situations along the lines of abortion and just really started researching and um, four, three years later, uh, uh, got the job at Whole Women's Health as the Virginia Advocacy Director. And so served there for four and a half years. And now here I am at Breath. Wow. And Breath, for those listening at home, Blue Ridge Abortion oh, Fund, of course. <laughs> Blue Ridge Abortion Fund. Y'all will get that real quick. Shout out to all my people at Blue Ridge Abortion Fund. Big shout out. Yeah. I had a couple of your amazing staff visit Harrisonburg multiple times over the last months since Roe was overturned and support fundraising efforts that we've done. So love the work that y'all are doing. And yeah. it's so interesting how your trajectory through this goes from the experience, if we're starting like with your education, it's what was left out and what was not spoken of and what was stigmatized. Um, then going into the social work field, you could see the the many areas of life where support is needed, mm-hmm. where our social safety nets have not caught people. And then kind of going into the sex education field and starting all the way back at how our young people are not being given the space to speak about something that is going to be a part of their experience growing Mm -hmm. up sex and that that abstinence education is such a big part of the culture around that silence Mm -hmm. and all of these things are difficult to kind of like conceptualize under one term but for me in my like engagement with this issue that term has been reproductive justice and I don't know how you feel about kind of trying to tie in all of the many cultural and political and societal and personal um, kind of threads that go into the work that ultimately ends up being reproductive rights and access, but Mm -hmm. reproductive justice is a term, a concept first articulated by the organization Sister Song, which is an organization that is dedicated to eradicating reproductive oppression and specifically focusing on indigenous and women of color communities. Can you talk about what that term means to you and kind of break it down for people who are trying to make sense of everything that's happening in the landscape around reproductive rights. Yeah, well, first of all, shout out to the whole Sister Song Squad. Those are my friends. Um, I just seen Monica uh, and Miss Loretta Ross at Sister Song. It's probably like my third time seeing them this year, actually. So um, good, good people. Um, I'm sorry, the question again was, what is it? How do I view it? yeah, how do how, what does it really mean? Oh, okay. This term beyond just the definition. Yeah, like so many things. Like there's so many terms and and phrases that are trending, right? And so for me, I I wake up and go to sleep and breathe 24 hours throughout the day as a black woman, and um, so when I look at 
reproductive justice. I often, I often, especially in this work, especially as a black woman having to navigate a predominantly white space with reproductive rights, or even if we just left it at abortion altogether, I often correlate the two or, or have to make the distinction between the two right, between reproductive justice and reproductive rights. Essentially, reproductive rights and its framework um, is a more uh, individualistic and legal approach, right? My right to this, my right to that, my right to this. Um, while reproductive justice is expansive and it's intersectional and it's holistic and it touches all of those things like you were just talking about, right? Like LGBTQ stigma and bias and the, 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 the equalities that come about in that particular system or social status or economic status, gender, race, um, racism, the environment. So reproductive justice is a broader thing, right? And reproductive rights can fall under that. But like, uh, it's it's not the leading factor, you know. So for me, as I'm doing my work, right? Like, yes, access is what we want. But guess what else, <laughs> right? Like, there's a list of 150 million thousand things that could be, you know, that we could come up with that are equally as important, but not necessarily screamed as loud, um, and. And to be honest, you know, for people of color, right, like we've always been denied access, right? So the uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned on, on June 24th was like gut-wrenching, but it was like another day in the neighborhood for people that look like me, because mm -hmm. that is a reality, right? Like they take our, our rights have always been taken away, limited, whether that is because we are in underserved and marginalized communities, um, because of the systems of oppression, right? Like all of those things. And so um, it it, it, it kind of, going back to your question, like it depends on how we are angling it that day or what we're doing, but um, both very much intersect with each other. But I think reproductive, um, and the concept of reproductive justice and and shout out to those 12 women, Miss um, Terry Bond and Loretta Ross and um, uh, Miss Willis, Kim Youngblood, and all, all those women who in 94, what, how, I think I was like maybe in fourth or fifth grade in 1994, <laughs> um, who, you know, sat down and was like, yo, it's really, it's deeper in this and, and it and it it needs to embody us too mm. you know so um, those names you just named are the people who designed this concept of reproductive justice yes yes so there were 12 of them okay um and and and, and most notably most people know um miss loretta ross who is amazing um and she is a professor i want to say at smith college and she has an online following and she does a workshop um, entitled calling people it calling them in like look her up she is super dope and like when you talk about fangirl I be fangirling her um, okay. she's so amazing so look amazing. that name up yeah yeah and so you know re reproductive rights um or reproductive so again reiterating that reproductive justice I'm sorry yeah, reproductive justice includes reproductive rights, 
Um, and, and, and when you think reproductive rights, people specifically solely think abortion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so again, the, the, the framework of reproductive justice is abortion and, 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 and. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, for me, as someone who is in their mid-20s and who has been maybe 10 years into an awareness of the broader scope of movement building work that has been done um, around these issues, I think to me, it feels like we're living in a time where the experiences of Black women, of Indigenous women, of people of color, of people who don't have um, legal citizenship status are being uplifted in a different way. But I don't know if that's just part of partially because of my own awareness kind of evolving in that direction, or if it's because we're actually shifting culture around whose experiences and whose power is represented. And so I wonder if you think that from your experience, specifically tying in movement building around reproductive justice and access, um, do you feel like we're kind of moving in a direction where we're bringing anti-racism and bringing kind of a decolonial framework or like a challenging patriarchy framework into institutions and movements in a way that's new? Mm, you want me to be honest? Definitely, yes. No, I think it sounds good. Um, and I and I and I and I think that sometimes it is harder to uh implement and walk through theory than it is to just voice it, right? Everything that you just said, yes, right? And depending on um depending on like I could say that if I was specific to reproductive justice, if I was saying it about reproductive health, reproductive health care in their systems and 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 abortion, I would have to say no. If we if we if we merge it into reproductive health care in the system, right, the 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 black maternal health rate wouldn't be as high as it was, right? If our theory matched our actions, then we wouldn't have these discrepancies and these disparities for people of color where that lies. We wouldn't have these disparate, you know. So like again, it sounds great in theory. And I think, and I think that um more so now than you know, even five years ago or 10 years ago, that it is being talked about more. So I, I think that that is a victory. But again, you know, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of, you know, the oppressive oppression of. And so it might take some time to get to a space where we feel that as a collective, or we're moving in that direction as a collective. Um, and we're looking at, at, at at, at decolonization and we're looking at like, you know, addressing our own internal biases around race and, and, 
and zip codes and mutual aid and all of those things. Um, but I think right now with, I think, I think the Dobbs decision or the, the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, I think it put us though still in a, in a good spot because it has, it's some reckoning is going on now, right? Like yes. you hear it louder than you could hear it before. And, and, and much of that is because it is now affecting white women and, yeah. and, and people who need it, right? And, and I'll still take that as a victory because you can still hear it now, right? And so it, it I um, am super optimistic about the current state we're in, what that means and like how we move forward. Um, because oftentimes until you're affected by something, it, you know, it, you're not rallying, you're not like rah, rah, you know, um, until you're affected by it. And so, you know, I think that there's a way to get there. I think we have um, to get to, you know, all the way there where, you know, where the, the things that you were mentioning, but I think we have a ways to go, but it also, you know, fuels my fire in, and why I do my work and how I do my work and, and knowing that representation matters. And so organizations like Sister Song and Sister Reach and um, Arc Southeast, all these uh, Latina Institute, all these people of color led organizations that uh, you know embody the framework of reproductive justice in their work um, and, and have and will continue to do, right? Like I think, you know, we're in a good space to uh, continue to lead, to stand with Black women, yeah. you know, and Indigenous women to allow um, that to take place. Because in real life, it could be as simple as that, right? If you just, if white men and women would take the background and allow other folks to come to the front and lead, you know, that's, that's how you do it, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's another, that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> trying to get there trying to get there yeah I think um your colleague who also helped organize our recent event that we did in Harrisonburg with Blue Ridge Abortion Fund Val mm -hmm. was mentioning this book Policing the Womb by Michelle Goodwin do you know that book I know it I haven't read it I haven't read it yet either but it's really fascinating and horrifying to look at the roots of the field of gynecology as a, like a very um, horrendous, like yeah. racial, racist system that mm -hmm. was dominated by men who were basically doing a lot of like experimentation on bodies. And so just to kind of put that into this piece of the conversation, because it, it, shows how far back the um the disease of the problems that we're currently seeing manifested as symptoms of those roots goes back and i think it's really interesting to consider that time in history in the united states where this kind of work of stewarding births was being co-opted by this like class of male doctors who had very racist agendas and taken away from women of different kind of roles in society who were serving as midwives who were like 
standing in a long lineage of stewarding births. And yeah, I just wanted to put Michelle Goodwin's book in this part of the conversation because of how she maps that history. Yeah, I was um, just looking up because I have a colleague and good sister friend of mine who went to a um, unveiling in Alabama of, I was trying to find the name of it, but it's not in here, but um, it was in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and they um, put up um, a memorial and did an unveiling about um, Lucy, who was this, the enslaved Black woman that um, James Sims, I think his name was, um, performed experiments on women without anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And I want to find it so I can lift that up because I was like, I need to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, it. so to your point, it's yes <laughs> to all of that. Um, I'm gonna find it, and if I don't, if it doesn't come to me before we're done, I'm gonna email it to you. Yeah, please do. I always put links in the show notes, so that would be important history for people to sit with after listening to this conversation. I did want to ask you, um, now that several states around Virginia have implemented abortion bans or um, essentially almost total bans on abortion, including West Virginia, Mississippi, um, you know, Indiana, and Tennessee. I'm not sure. <laughs> Tennessee. I was going to say, I'm not sure who else. Wisconsin. <laughs> so all of our kind of in a, a broad radius around us, there have been several states that have implemented practically total bans on abortion. Mm -hmm. And how is that affecting the work that people like Blue Ridge Abortion Fund have to do in order to kind of deal with the intake of need for care? And mm -hmm. beyond just providing abortions, how are those developments affecting your niche in the reproductive justice ecosystem? Uh, yeah. And so it's affecting us less as an organization and, you know, people in the movement, you know, doing the day in and day out work. It is affecting the patients and the callers way more than it's affecting us. Blue Ridge Abortion Fund, New River Abortion Fund, Hergel, um, Hampton Roads Reproductive Justice League, I believe is their acronym, and RFP, Richmond Reproductive Freedom Project, you know, and, I, and I'm just speaking of the Virginia funds, we all existed prior to June 24th, 2022, right? Which says, right, like people needed funding prior to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And so, our work has continued. We've seen, we were seeing people, um, and I'm going to say we, and, 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 and when I'm speaking on we, I'm, gonna, I'm talking about 
Blue Ridge Abortion Fund and Whole Women's Health, where I served previously. But we were seeing patients, and I know, you know, just from working with uh, the other funds, we were seeing, we were already seeing patients from out of state, even before the restrictions were the restrictions. Um, and so since June 24, um, like we at the clinic at Whole Women's Health, we had started seeing uh, Texas patients at the top of COVID, right? When the governor said that reproductive health care was not an essential form of health care and patients were still willing to travel mm. across the state to complete their procedure. And then when SB8 came and, you know, went into effect and, you know, how, how it touched Louisiana and Mississippi. So we were already seeing folks before June 24th. Um, and so has it increased, you know, the, the amount of uh of 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 callers that we've gotten sure absolutely um and 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 there are callers that are now you know more callers that are just calling from um outside of virginia um and and as an organization and as a collective um as a collective on on in terms of funds right like we are going to continue to stand in solidarity with patients and callers. Uh, it's so funny because where I used to work, they're patients. Where I now work, they're callers. And so I've always like mm -hmm. juggling between the two. People who uh, need uh, reproductive health services and are seeking abortion care, um, we're gonna continue to stand with those folks. We're gonna continue to collaborate with each other to make sure the financial needs are met. We had uh, two callers this week that needed 10K plus. That was the gap that they reached out to us as an organization to see that we could, if we could fill. These were later in gestation cases. Um, and so that is gonna be major, right? As I think Virginia, um, right now inside of Virginia, I wanna say 18 weeks, oh no, I think Planned Parenthood does 20 or 22, right? As far as how far up in gestation they go, but you know, you get a caller that's 26 weeks, 32 weeks, um, you know, they're having some medical issues and, you know, and so it, it, it will affect us and every other state in that way of, you know, um, the gestational limitations. And that's not a, a state law thing, that is a doctor thing. Um, in terms of, you know, what a physician is comfortable with doing, what, you know, they're trained in. And, and, you know, the higher you get in gestation, two days makes a difference in terms of, you know, the fetus growing and, and, and what that can look like. And so I think um, that is more of the issue that we'll have um, here in Virginia is being able to, um, being able to, um, get people that are, are, are higher in gestation the care that they are seeking. Um, DuPont and Washington Surgery Center um, is where um, most of our callers um, have been going. We have callers that are in Virginia that have to go somewhere else because of scheduling, because how far along they are, when they can get in. And we have callers that um, are coming into Virginia. And so um, the work uh, hasn't stopped and probably won't stop. Um, and we are just here to serve in all of the ways that we can. Yeah. 
And also the providers who were shut down in states where abortions have been banned didn't just go away, right? So how are some of those people factoring in to the work you're doing now? Um, as far as the the physicians? Or the people who were doing advocacy and funding work? Yeah, so um, a lot of folks have merged into different uh, positions. I know when I was at Whole Women's Health, um, we had four clinics in Texas. And so um, SBA had put us on ice. Where, and, and for those listeners that don't know, SBA um, was legislation that, that said that no one could uh, receive an abortion after beyond six weeks. And so when SBA went into effect on September the 2nd, 2021, that put us on ice, right? All four clinics. So were we still able to see patients? Yeah, but like, who knows that you're pregnant uh, at four weeks? Like nobody, <laughs> um, or even six weeks or even eight weeks. Because uh, <clears throat> that's when I found out I was pregnant. I was eight and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and so put us on ice already. And then when um, June 24th, of this year came through, it shut us down. And so um, a lot of folks just were laid off. And then there were some folks that merged into um, different roles. And then like the criminalization thing was a big thing. So people didn't know if they could still do funding or if it you know, was solely for in-clinic stuff or can I make appointments or can I, you know, so there's a lot of people that left the field right and 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 that's texas and other states and then there are folks that you know what i'm saying got with the program and like moved however right so like choices in tennessee moved to illinois across the bridge you know what i'm saying and so like yeah. and their staff moved and boom red river in north dakota moved across the street to minnesota and their crew moved with them you know so it 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 the 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 main thing that I that I want to say and emphasize and I am 39 and I've heard I was out in um Waynesboro a couple of weeks ago um at a community event and this older woman came up to me and she said she was around in 1973 mm -hmm. and she reiterated right that it's not going to stop people from having abortions it's not going to stop people from uh doing abortions right and so like Yes, this has happened. Um, the advocacy is not going to stop. The way that we mobilize and organize probably is just going to be that much stronger. And I tell people all the time, this is a grassroots type of thing, right? Another thing that we can throw under reproductive justice framework because I, I, we can take care of our own people, right? We can, if, if, we're, if we're all about community, as we say, and engagement and involvement, we can take care of our own people, you know, like, and so, so these patients that are coming from Louisiana and Nowhereville, Mississippi and Texas and all of those other spaces, like you're my people now. So I take that personal. I want to make sure that you are every step of the way. You let me know when you get to the airport, you let me know when you get here, you let me, you know, and then you let me know when you get home, then you can delete my number, right? Because I want to make sure that everybody is taken care of, right? That that we are going to insert ourselves in a way that legislation can't stop 
us yeah. from caring for each other. You know what I'm saying? So they can stop the rights, right? Which is important because while our rights are diminished right now, our framework on our justice is not. And so we're going to continue to fight for justice and underneath the label of justice because you got our rights hemmed up, but you don't have who we are as individual and as people, as collective, as a movement. You can't touch that, you know? And so I always, I'm always encouraged that it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucked up. It's messed up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible how it is, right? Because everybody should have the ability to decide if and when they want to have a child. I grew up in a, in a predominantly a super heavy religious household and and never thought, never talked about like abortion, but like knew that when people had babies, you didn't like have an abortion that, oh, my cousin is also like my uncle because, you know, they yeah. live with my aunt, you know. And so it, it when, it, when it came for me to have my own, like I was very sure <laughs> both times. Both times birth control didn't work. Both times, and I was like, maybe I should just stop sleeping with dudes because I'm super fertile. <laughs> and um, but I knew that I knew that I knew, and and so like it was just like I need to do what I need to do, and like nothing else mattered. Not what I was told, not what I was taught, not what you know. It was totally my decision what I wanted to do. I didn't even tell my mom until like years later, yeah. you know because this was my decision, right? And if I and, and if I didn't want it, then I didn't want it, you know? And so um, so we all should have that that right to be able to do. Um, and while they try to keep their foots on our necks and our rights in that you know way, we're gonna continue to forge forward on a path where we, you know, do this via grassroots in a space that they can't come and dominate. Yeah. And I know that, like, you have a strong religious family background. You actually studied religion mm -hmm. in part of your education mm -hmm. and religious studies, philo philosophy. Religious and philosophical studies. That's right. And where yeah. was that? Savannah State University. Savannah State um, and we hear a lot of religious justification for the legal realities that are happening right now and we're about two weeks away from the midterm election so we're hearing a lot of religion kind of being weaponized as it has been for so long to forward this agenda of forcing people to give birth and also controlling people's bodies in other ways like mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier which we haven't touched on very much but is a huge part of all of this is the lgbtq plus community and the ways that the very same constitutional arguments that are being used to restrict abortion access are also being used to restrict people's right to govern their gender expression and their biological sex and their ability to exist freely in public in society and so what is your what is your view on how religion is such a powerful tool in shaping how people feel about reproductive access and reproductive justice and not just 
the ways that it's being co-opted, but also how it can be powerful in serving the, you know, the effort to increase access for people. Yeah, so I, um, shout out to Savannah State University. It's the first HBCU in Georgia, established in 1890. Shout out. Um, and, and so, this is a loaded question. <laughs> I could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, but and your question initially essentially is how how religion has shaped my thoughts and the way in which I do my work. Um yeah, and, and about like public feeling around yeah. the debate. You know, it's hard because everybody interprets it different. And one of the reasons why I've always been so intrigued around religion um, and the study in different uh, denominations is because I've always wondered, right? Like, um, and I grew up, I'm, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, so I grew up in the it's a little more diverse now, which doesn't say much, but I grew up in predominantly white folks. And so coming from, my family is from Sharecropper, Mississippi, right? And so things look different um, around religion than when I was at home in Wisconsin. And so I was always intrigued, like the difference between like white church and black church and like, and so I leaned into that, but it was also like the people that I were around were like atheists and Unitarians and Catholics, all of which were vastly, vastly different from each other. And then vastly different from my upbringing. And so uh, that was always like a fun thing for me to like, engage with because the principle across every religion is the same <laughs> right the circumstances the ethics the values the the messaging and how folks put it out very different but the principle the founding principle on like love and good deeds is all the same across the board you you know um and 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 as i have grown into my own um, and especially as I've been doing this work, but like before I got to the space where I am now, right? Like I understood religion to be like a gang, right? Like, so for me, I always in, 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 uh, interpret things on how it makes sense to me. And mostly when I'm like communicating with young people, because that has been uh, my life's work, right? So like if I was talking to kids, I'm like, religion was like a gang, right? Like mm. you understand gangs, okay, religion is like a gang. It's this set, this set, this set, but essentially it's just a group of people with a set of organized beliefs, right? And so it makes sense to me how religion, how, how politics and the religion around this issue um, it, it makes sense on how it is, how it is, right? Because specific people believe a specific thing, right? And so for me, like I've had to unlearn, right? Like religion and like connected to me and who I am um, as I walk throughout my own identity and my spirituality. 
right? Because I believe this, I believe some things from this religion, I believe some things from this religion, I really, you know, so for me, like I'm kind of a mixed bag with things. And then I take all of those things and I embody it. And then I allow that to be. But one thing that um, I will never do um, and have never done is tried to get you to believe what I believe, right? I just lead with, you know, my life and my work and, and what I know to be uh, my life's purpose for this season. And, and, and if people attach to that and want to talk more about that, then cool. But like, I'm never going to approach anti-abortion folks, folks, person. I'm never going to you know, listen, you believe what you believe. And it's hard, as you know, as you know, you got some more living to do, but it's hard to get people to unbelieve what they believe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so why waste my time? And I want you to believe what you want to believe, right? Because it's not going to stop my work. It's not going to stop abortions, right? It's going to make it hurdles for folks, you know, and that can go both ways. And so I think, you know, I think that's the easiest way that people justify their stance is to throw what God said in the mix without even having, you know, uh, uh, a robust understanding of that. I come, my mom has a master's degree in theology, right? So like these conversations, I probably have read the Bible as like a regular book <laughs> at least five times, just like as a book. You know what I'm saying? Just paging um, through. Because it's like, it's kind of interesting, right? But it also, I think that has given me a superpower to be able to like, see how people like can take and manipulate something to their own interpretation of something that may or may not have been true in the first place, right? You know, like, right. you know, and so I think, I think I can't remember if I've actually answered your questions, but like, I think, I think it's a, it's a lot, you yeah. know, because even, even if I've been around and, you know, in spaces and rallies and stuff, or, you know, I've even talked to, um, cause I'll talk to anybody, right. I ain't gonna go back and forth with you anti-abortion person, but I've talked to you because you're a human being. That's one of the principles that I live by with my spirituality. And so, but I've been in spaces and they don't even believe the same things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so like, it's so based on the day, based on the trending topic, based on um, fetal anatomy, you know, whatever it's talked about on the news today is how people are going to lean is what I've observed and like anti-abortion folks. And so um, it's kind of like frustrating and amusing, right? <laughs> like, because here's the reality. Like, again, you can believe what you want to believe. You allow your, then don't have an abortion. If you don't believe people should have an abortion, then don't have one. I don't believe pineapples go on pizza. So guess what? I don't eat pineapple pizza. I'm not going to say, throw all the fucking pineapples out. Because, exactly. Because you might like pineapples on your pizza. I'm just not going to eat it. You know what I'm saying? And so as simple as that concept and that principle is, it should be the same, but it goes, it goes all back to like stuff that, we'll have to have multiple podcasts about about like structural racism and like 
power and control and, and patriarchy and how you really want to control me. You know what I'm saying? Versus like allow me to show up and be who I am because I actually don't care what other people do. My 16 year old son got this hideous tattoo on his arm and <laughs> it's terrible. And what I said to my son is that's your arm, bro. Like <laughs> you want to fuck up your arm, do it. You know what I'm saying? Did I want you to do that? No, but it's your arm at the end of the day. You didn't ask me for my money and that's your arm. So you'll have you'll have to live with that that would be great if that is you know how everybody could think um especially when you know that people only well there are more than one thing but I think abortion is like one of the main things that people want to think for other people for yeah and it's, it's very emotionally charged yeah for people who have not experienced someone in their life who's been in need of an abortion right or taken into so many consideration into so many things that could happen before a person gets to the point where I'm making this and and not that you have to take into consideration, but like we sh you know you take into consideration so many different things there's so many different uh reasons why or no reason at all is also a good reason right <laughs> to have one. I don't even have to have a sob story not to have like I didn't think my reasons was deep. I didn't have a sob story. I didn't want a baby. That was it. That was the moral of the story. I didn't want to carry it to term and have somebody adopt it. I didn't want to give it up to nobody. I wanted to not have it. And and since I have this option right here, I'm rolling with this. Yep. You know? It's so, a safe, safe procedure, yeah. which is something that isn't, we could be screaming that until we're blue in the face more often. And I don't think it would hurt because people really get real, like, this is tied into the religion piece, but people get very emotional about the life that is being taken. Mm -hmm. And if you if you step back and realize that abortion is one of the safest procedures, medical procedures that we have in modern medicine, it's very routine, it's very regular. One in four women or birthing people will receive one. And it's also like, if if we're going to get emotional about something, there's so much, there's so much loss of life that is happening that isn't on people's radars. That's right. There's so much suffering that's happening that's right. because of structural racism and poverty and militarism and all of these things. It's like well, if you want to get upset, yeah. But that's how you know people don't want to get upset. They just want to, they. I don't know what. I have no idea why people. Right. We know this is not an issue of. Uh, black bodies. I've been outside of the clinic where uh, where where anti-abortion folks are like, but they're killing black people. And I'm like, how are you as a white man going to tell me as a black woman, right? Like, I know your people, get your people, fam. Your people are killing my people. It has nothing to do with what's going on in this building, right? Like, and and even if someone didn't go through with their abortion, they're probably going to die at the hands of your people, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So like either way, somebody's going to die, you know? Right. I mean, that's like you're my not experience. helping anyone by yeah. making or, this or, argument. Or, or, or I see you show up. I did have this conversation. David's one of my favorite anti-abortion protesters. <laughs> David, I call him Pastor David. 
David, you know, you know, wanted to go back and forth and I, you know, I'm an Aquarius. I'm super analytical. I, I love, I love conversation. And, and, and the moral of his story was right. Like about all of the things. And so, and so when we started talking about well, I brought up Brianna Taylor and I said, would you stand outside in Kentucky in the same manner that you're standing outside this abortion clinic where people have chosen to come in here. We don't get commission. <laughs> we not rallying troops. We not giving out free gift cards for folks to come in here. People literally call the clinic for the appointment, which means they have made up in their mind that this is what they want to do. But would you do the same thing for the Breonna Taylors and the Corinne Gaines mm -hmm. and and the Atiana Jeffersons and the George Floyds and the Trayvon Martins. Would you do those same things for Sean Bell and, and the countless other people who never made the news that get shot down there? You know what Pastor David anti-protester said to me? He said, this is not about politicalness. <laughs> I said, but it is, right? Cop like, out answer, if, Pastor David. Yeah, if, I, might, I might respect you more if you was doing both. Yeah. So this is not about that. You know what I'm saying? This is not about black bodies, black or brown bodies. This ain't about that. So tell me what it's about, Pastor David. Yeah. You, you just showed all that? your cards, right? Yeah. You know, so it, it is. And so for me, the way that I deal with it is by continuing to do my work. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it's a lot of stuff that we can get thrown off by or, you know, be consumed by about like, why? And and I'd be wanting to know the whys. And 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 if I stay there, right, like I'll never get my work done. Right. I'll never <laughs> be able because I just be like, I don't get it. I don't get you, fam. Help me understand. Um, and so it it is, it's it's super crazy. And and yeah, I'll leave that right there. <laughs> I'll leave it right there. That's a good place. Yeah. A good place. And there's we've we haven't even gotten into like the midterms <laughs> and all these things, but it's going to have oh. to be on the listeners to do their research and, and vote and get out there and learn what's happening. I'm going to go ahead and put all of the volunteer opportunities for Blue Ridge Abortion Fund in the show notes. People can drive patients or callers to the places where they need to go. Yeah. They can donate. They, you're, you receive an amazing training if you volunteer to be a driver that is more like an orientation of a doula, right? Yeah, yep. And so also what we've implemented more to, to come. So for all the listeners, <clears throat> you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Snapchat will be coming soon. Um, Snapchat, at, okay. At Blue Ridge Abortion Fund. I can only imagine what y'all will be snapping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but if you go to our website, uh, Blue Ridge Abortion Fund .org, um, um, what's to follow is just like a listing of of things that we're we're doing. And so what I am establishing right now is a Blue Ridge Abortion Fund slash BRAF Ambassador Program. Mm. And so, um, since uh, June twenty fourth, we've had an influx of folks who want to help. Take my car, take my house. You can have this. Let me drive, right? And, Love to see and, that. And, and you know, right? And so, and so, one thing that I knew needed to happen because you know, people are 
people, we as people and human beings are always moved by our emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Me included. And so people be wanting to help, want to help, want to help, want to help. And so I said, okay, I could take the route and say like, where were y'all prior to June 24th? Or I could say like, okay, let me, let me take the time because I feel as an organization, we have a deeper responsibility outside of funding abortions, right? Which is, you know, how we started, right? Uh, 30 years ago as an organization was, you know, a group of friends put his money in a pot for somebody that needed an abortion procedure. And then, you know, years after that is what became Blue Ridge Abortion Fund. And, and one of the more important things that um, I want us as an organization to move to is like having a responsibility to educate, to inform folks, right? So you have all these people that want to help and somebody needs to be able to say, hey, guess what? Thank you for uh, wanting to allow people in your house. Let me tell you why we can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, because now you're liable, I'm liable, I got to vet you, I got to do background checks, I got to do all these things to make sure these people are safe. It might not be accessible. A patient might not be comfortable going to a stranger's house. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and people don't necessarily take these things into consideration when they just want to help because their heart is in it and not necessarily their their logic, right? Like yeah. if it were you. So I was yeah. like, okay, let me create a program where we're going to do some of that training, where we're going to adopt some of that reproductive justice framework. And then that weeds out like the emotional folks from the like intentional folks. Because mm -hmm. one thing that we do recognize and understand is that this ain't just gonna be for a short period of time, yeah. <laughs> right? We gotta strategize and figure out how we're gonna move forward for years to come, right? Yeah. Like that's a reality. And I'm gonna always be upfront and talk about the reality. Do I wish it could change in 2023 in legislative session? Yes, is it? No. <laughs> right? That's across the United States of America. And so creating things and situations that give people the opportunity to buy into something greater, right? And to be consistent and to, you know what I'm saying, choose how you can insert, but also to have knowledge and training, you know, around cultural competency, around all of these things that 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 embody reproductive justice in their framework as we are engaging with folks who are seeking a compassionate abortion care because it all intertwines. And I actually don't want a volunteer that's not invested in doing some of their own training and, and, and investing in their own selves and, you know what I'm saying, confronting their own biases. I don't want you to do that by the time you come up on a caller or a patient, right? I want you to do that before, you know. So the BRAF Ambassador Program, I'm pretty excited about. They'll be doing um, um, some training and then they'll be doing some uh, clinic escorting and not necessarily just escorting um, because there might be anti-abortion folks outside, but just ushering folks in, right? When people are coming on the day of the appointment, it, the anxiety might be through the roof and we just want friendly faces. Like we want to normalize what we keep saying, like abortion is healthcare. So let's normalize that. You know what I'm saying? When I go into my dentist or doctor's office, it'd be snacks right here. Like let's normalize it in a real, in real time, in real way, let's manifest our actions, manifest our words 
Um, and so I'm super excited about that. So callers, if y'all want to be a brand ambassador, we're going to have some swaggy swag, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, yeah. call set up for folks and just a good way for folks to be in community with each other. Um, and so I'm pretty excited about what, what Blue Ridge is building and continue to build um, as we forge forward because uh, it ain't over. You know, mm -hmm. and, and there's so many amazing people, especially like yourself, Amelia, like I get so excited when I when I am able to talk to young people. And I'm just 40, so I'm not too far removed, but like young people got it. So anytime they ask me to come to the college, I was at Old Dominion a couple of weeks ago. I was at James Madison a couple of weeks ago, and I'm excited to go to William and Mary tonight. Um, but anytime I'm around young people, because I sucked as a college student, as a young person, right? Like, I was just out here wilding out and like, you know, drinking Boone's Farm all day or three for 10 Arbor Miss at Kroger. Like just out here, you know what I'm saying? Being a college student and getting high and stuff. I still went to class, but like to be around people who are like, now I got it a little later in life, you know. It's not mutually exclusive either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wasn't doing both and I was just doing and uh, <laughs> and so I just be so excited because you know that's who you know has it and who will lead and and when I was you know what I'm saying younger in my spaces like older folks like asked me my thoughts and my opinions and I and and, and saw and pulled out you know, vision in me that I, and gave me the confidence to, to lean in and move forward. Right. And so when I get around young people and they doing stuff like, uh, putting up emergency contraceptive pills in the vending machines on campus and Ooh. like going underground, like at, um, who's that George Mason or going underground and doing their own repro app to distribute condoms and morning after pills what? for students at Hampton University. Like when they're doing all of these things, I'd be like, oh, shit, I sucked in college. I want to do over. I need to do over because <laughs> these kids are so dope and making it happen, you know? So I am super excited um, and, and appreciate you for the invite. I know that we've gone back and forth for a minute. So thank you for your patience. Oh, we made um, that happen. <laughs> and you showed and, up for the event. <laughs> You know, I have no, no complaints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might take a while, but I'm coming. I'm yeah. always coming. So yeah. So On I, your schedule. I'm I'm ready whenever you are. Yeah. So I appreciate you and, and what you're doing to bring uh, awareness and voice to this issue. And so please know that I and Blue Ridge support you and all of the things. So you can call on us whenever and however and whenever and, and know that we got you back. Thank you so much. Your ambassador program sounds absolutely amazing. Oh man, it's I'm it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be good. I want to be yeah. in that. So oh, yeah. yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Steph. This has been really amazing, and oh. you're a superstar. Obviously, thank you. You are a superstar. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you for alluding to those next, next, next podcasts because yeah. we do yeah. need those. We do yeah, need those for sure. All right. Well, I hope that your life on the road stays safe and <laughs> Thank you. the work stays fruitful and the family stays healthy. Thank you. All the things. Thank you it so helps. much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.